Thank you for joining us. We're speaking with Tyler and Tori from BetterThanBelts.com, a fashion startup in Boston. I'd like to know your story. There's a lot that people might not know about you, but let's just start from the very foundational level. How did you end up creating this business? Where did it come from and how did you come together? Well, I hope that everyone knows that we're siblings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I went to Northeastern and studied entrepreneurship and marketing and graduated in 2015. And then Tyler went after me graduating this past year studying entrepreneurship. Just my, my degree was just entrepreneurship, but I always did marketing co-ops and had a pretend CS minor. <laughs> So I'd say that we both like went to the business school looking for entrepreneurship and obviously we've been pretty close our entire lives on a friendship level. <laughs> yeah, Spurry and I both have always been interested in fashion. It's always been kind of a quote that I actually saw recently from a designer called Effie Castleberry with his recent Kickstarter campaign was that luxury wasn't about price. It was about having something that nobody else has. And I thought that kind of resonated with me because that's a lot of the time how I always looked at it. And I had started a clothing company just after my freshman year. And that was really an experiment and helping to learn a lot about marketing and just for me to test out different things and just kind of a fun side project. So I kind of was trying to get experience in the space and talk to a lot of people. And then going into the middle-ish of my senior year, I had stopped wearing belts completely due to kind of health stuff causing my weight to fluctuate a ton. They were just really uncomfortable. And I was like, and then it was literally, it was one individual pair of jeans that I bought. And I was like, oh, like I need, like I really like these. Like I need to get these, they're so special. And then I was like, I'll just like find suspenders. Um, and my dad had worn suspenders a lot. So I was like, I'll just do that. I like saw if he had any that I was interested in. He didn't, Amazon, Google stores. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, how has no one made like just like a suspender yet like for 2020 or at the time 2019 so i was like oh this sounds like something kind of within my wheelhouse so i was like this is like it was kind of the perfect product to me because i was, it's a one size fits all i didn't expect it to be super complex everything's always more complex than you expect it to be but mm. i was like this would be a really fun thing to explore to see if i could get some made and what it might look like that led to me getting samples made eventually and being and i was originally going to launch it as a product underneath my existing clothing brand and i realized that really wasn't going to be the best play for it and that suspenders exist on its own and I needed to kind of build a brand that was going to be the best suspenders and to be known for just that main focus because that's so many other companies weren't thinking about them or making kind of like durable good looking ones because it was such an afterthought for them and getting closer towards graduation Tori who had then spent like four years growth marketing at different companies just seemed like a great time to be like do it and here we are <laughs> six months later, seven, I don't know. Here we are later. I'd say it <laughs> happened slightly differently than that in my head. Well, how was it different um, for you, Tori? Well, I, so I stayed in Boston after graduating and I worked for a variety of tech um, and health, health wellness startups. I did a co-op uh, for brand marketing at Marshalls and I have some friends that started a swimwear company that was on Shark Tank called Raising Wild Swimwear and I consulted with them in their first year. So I've kind of had these little fashion experiences along the way. And then when Tyler was graduating, he at that point really had the samples created for what was his ideal suspender in terms of the comfort and the design factors, being a Y-back, being totally elastic, choosing brown leather, choosing the best and highest quality and strongest clips, um, like the hardware pieces that he could find. 
So I said, awesome. I think it's great that you're going to do that. I think that this is a really unique opportunity. And so I left that role doing marketing and analytics for the health startup to join Tyler full time right when the Kickstarter launched, really. It was- and how do you get your product out there? We've been completely bootstrapped from the start, and that's an important thing to the company. So we're not raising a couple million dollars and then throwing a bunch of money into Facebook ads and binding uh, customer acquisition costs that make sense with a lifetime value because those would be made up numbers this early on anyways. For us, everything, it's all about who you know. And even with the influencers, the original people that I had sent stuff to were just people that I had followed for a long time just because I've always been interested in fashion and stuff. So it's people that I've maybe even had like one-off conversations with. I'd classify that as social media fashion influencers. Specific. People will often ask what we do day to day. And I say like 90% of what we do is just conversations. So talking with people that have done similar things, startup people or Facebook ads people or influencer people, just talking to them to kind of learn about what they might do in our position. Sometimes I'm talking to an actual agency and sometimes it's just someone that has done it before or just kind of friends that have done stuff before, or kind of friends of friends to try to grow stronger relationships there. Yeah. Just based off of that, what's been the best advice you've gotten that you've put into practice and that's helped you? That is such an interesting question. Uh, I don't know if I've, I'd say we've definitely received a lot of feedback that we've implemented. Um, but if we're going down to say um, one or two things that were top. One thing's nobody like needs suspenders right now so how do you prove that market so for me that's kind of been the biggest advice that i've now had kind of in my mind for over a year of constantly trying to show um what that market is and that's why kickstarter proved to be really valuable because that shows that x number of people pledged x number of dollars to support it for the kickstarter just like you have to have a launch party you have to have all your money raised in the first day so well, let's take it from the supply chain perspective for a moment. I saw that a pair of suspenders might sell for 50 bucks on the website. Mm-hmm. Can you, as much as possible, break down what part of that would constitute your shipping costs that you're incurring? Because I saw that you might have free shipping uh, to yeah. the US. So, and then how do you end up shipping to people wherever they are? Because this is something that's coming, I would say, from your hearts, but then moving across the country. So how do you get it there? Yes, we do offer free shipping for return shipping. That's definitely like a strong brand thing and people expect it. Everything is always first class mail because one, it does sound super nice. And also it's like incredibly fast. It's one to three business day. So whereas like Amazon or most people are using priority, which is just like guaranteed two day, um, first class, for example, when we're in Boston and ship something, if we're shipping to like Newton or somewhere else in Massachusetts, it usually gets there in a single day. And that cost to us for somebody within Boston, like a single suspender would be like $3 and 50 cents, give or take. Um, and if it's going to California, maybe like $4 and 50 cents and it might take two business days. Can you tell me, how do you ensure quality within your products and what does quality mean to you? I think that it's important to stand behind your product. Neither of us really believe in fast fashion. We want to create something you don't need to replace next week. And the suspenders were created for everyday wear, not occasion wear. So it's not like you're buying them to wear to your wedding one time. We're hoping that... Though you can do that. (laughs) And some do. (laughs) Uh, But the idea is that the quality of the clips and the elastic will last much longer and that you can wear them daily, weekly, monthly. And... It's kind of hard to say like why quality is important to us. It just is like we just grew up with these values and 
I've kind of always been a quality over quantity type of person. Like I'll splurge on items and I'll have them in my closet for a decade and I'll wear something that I bought five years ago and haven't worn in five years and then I'll start wearing it all the time again. So how do you ensure quality in your products? Quality starts with our inputs and trusting our suppliers. So we have a manufacturer that we have a pretty high level of respect for and we've picked specific inputs from countries that we think are going to last and on the other side of things you can't always predict what's going to happen so if we get a defective product or batch and our customer ends up with a pair which we haven't had happen yet actually but um, immediately take that back and ship them a new one And if we ended up finding that it was more than one pair, that it was a batch, then we would go back to our factory and communicate to them. But I think it's about standing behind your product and having your customers trust that you care for their experience. Yeah. And if I could take you back to that moment, how did you go about finding the place that was going to produce your products? It's so hard. (laughs) No one wants to talk to you. Um, Actually, I'll start off. Before this, with uh, I spoke with a friend yesterday who's starting a company right now, and during the month of January, he traveled around Vietnam to find uh, factories, and he tried to set up a lot of meetings in the month beforehand, which he had no luck with because they ha- it's um it's a seller's market. Like they have so many people that want to manufacture there because it's actually pretty high quality stuff that they're making, and everybody there is really highly skilled. So like unless you're doing some crazy high quantity, nobody's going to want to talk to you. And because so many of these uh, manufacturers and factories already have relationships that they have set up, they already have their clients, they don't have like a, an inbound marketing team almost, or they don't really... So for me, just Googling factories, right? And then you end up kind of down a rabbit hole. And I ended up on, I forget the name of the website, but it's a website where you can search for factories. And I've always loved Made in USA products. I wanted to support that, support jobs here, knowing that it also gave me a ton of like in terms of like quality like I didn't have as many questions I was going to be way more comfortable with something that's close to home and also just to not have time difference time zone differences and everything so I ended up on this one website and you know you end up having so many tabs open over a few days and everybody that I got I called right so and then I went to suspender I went to like every suspender company and I was calling them and I was like, do you make custom suspenders like for somebody else? And they were like, no. And I was like, who makes your suspenders? And they were like, we, we don't, we can't tell you that, but we can tell you where they're made. So they, they, I kept on like getting clues of things and I ended up finding a company that made a lot of uh, metal things like the clips. And I, and I called them and I was like, hi, do you sell the clips to anybody that makes suspenders? And the the receptionist was like, I don't know. And she ended up sending me to a salesperson. And I was like, perfect. And then I was like, hi, do you sell these clips to anybody that makes suspenders? Because they were the clips I wanted. It was the jumbo, like dur- more durable clips. Sure. Um, and then he, he was hesitant to give me anything because he was like, I might have somebody for you. And it depends on the quantity that you want. And I was like, it's a small quantity. And he's like, well, how small is small? And I was like, all right, <laughs> it's between like 100 and 500. And he was like, I have a guy who might do it at like 500. And I was like, cool. And then he like didn't say anything. And I was like, can, can I have his na- number? <laughs> so nice. then I got this guy's name and number and I called him. And then I kind of like to say that. Like I self-referred myself in because then I called this person who probably typically 
maybe wouldn't have returned a random call, but I was like, hey, I got your name from John at XYZ Company. And then he returned my call and ended up being, and still is like an amazing person for us helping to launch and helped, helping me make samples and even educating me on the suspender industry. Nice. So you're getting your clasps from this company, but what about the actual material to attach it to and who's doing that assembly? So <laughs> so the clips that Tyler was kind of explaining, he found the clips first, and then the person that he was referred to is our manufacturer who makes suspenders for other companies. So that contact is the one who has access to um, the metal adjusters, the elastic, the leather, like he himself has a full supply chain. And it's not that he's making the suspenders that he's making for us for anyone else. Like our conversations are like, okay, we want this clip and this elastic and this other thing. And he's like, really? No one else is ordering that. And we're like, that's okay. That's why, that's <laughs> why we're That's fine. Yeah. yeah, so he everything comes together in New York. Some of it he stocks, some of it he doesn't stock and has to come from different places. And one of the for me, here's an interesting kind of supply chain slash marketing note would be that I've always loved transparency and I wanted to be super transparent about, oh, here's where every like individual item comes from. And I told him this and he was like, no, do not do that. Like, cause the, the suspender industry is actually surprisingly consolidated. So if you were to tell everybody where all of your components are coming from, they'd be able to replicate it really easily. So I was like, all right, thank you for that input. It is good to know. And I will not do that then. <laughs> Which has been hard cause that kind of directly conflicts with who we are, but we're just comfortable telling people that we assemble them in New York. That's really important to us. We've actually used the Northeastern 3D lab on the second floor of Snell has a giant laser and Multiple. they'll prototype. So we've brought in a couple pairs of suspenders and kind of worked with them to, and we cut in specific designs. So we've then we've customized them for um, a WNBA player, an NBA player, a Boston yoga instructor, like a couple of influencers that we had around. Um, so We've been kind of messing around with that a little bit. Sure. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Like, say you order 500 of these suspenders at a time. Where do you mm -hmm. put them? So you get this massive shipment. Where does it go? And kind of like continue It's that not walk. hypothetical. We, we do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our, our orders... Our first order was like 120 and then the one after that was like 600 and the one after that was like 500. And they're in um, my basement. If my apartment. <laughs> okay, in Boston. They're sitting in a basement in Boston. In Boston. They're all sitting there. Shipping headquarters is right, the good news <laughs> right outside is my bedroom door. <laughs> they don't take up that much volume. So it's... I guess you have these suspenders coming in. And mm -hmm. yeah. who's managing all this? Are you managing it? Or how are you... From an inventory perspective? Yeah. How are you keeping track? Yeah. So in the very beginning, we didn't really keep track. And it really didn't matter that much because our quantities were so small. Um, but now, yeah, we launched our e-commerce site and we need to know how many we have of what pattern. And it's not just inventory for the products. We have to know how many like printing packaging labels we have and how many right. stickers we have and how many pack-in postcards we have and how many big or small envelopes we have because it depends on if you ordered one, two, three, five on what packaging you're getting. So it's important important for us to know when we're running low on those because we are trying to control for costs. And the very simplest perspective of we manage inventory in our Shopify, we just 
did a count and put in our final numbers. One day when Tyler was sick, I sat in the basement and I counted all of them. And so Shopify handles that for us as orders go out, it adjusts. And then for the inventory of all the other pieces, we have them written down and we just kind of manage that in like an Excel doc. It's not super technical at the moment, but we're also only keeping track of say 10 items. You have this suspender that maybe some people haven't seen before because they haven't seen suspenders in the same way that you see them. How do you forecast what people might buy in the future? What suspenders to build? What color variations? Knowing that it's a new product for a lot of people. It really came from instead of offering 100 SKUs, let's just offer like, you know, the five to 10 best ones. Like we only launched five is like the right number to not give people decision fatigue. So I think a lot of that actually falls on ourselves, especially in the beginning. But moving forward, it'll definitely be more data driven from what is and isn't selling. Yeah, I think what's really hard and important to point out for very early stage companies, my background is mostly in startups. BC funded. Her last company had like a $2 billion valuation, even though it was a startup. <laughs> she um, had cash for her Facebook ads. <laughs> yeah, so there are... there. Are, so when you are moving very quickly and you have a lot of money, you have a lot of data and you can use that to make decisions. So I've sat on a lot of hybrid marketing teams where I'm really the business intelligence person in marketing and I can write SQL and I do a lot of analysis and that's how we make decisions. And I'm very used to that. Sure. Yeah. Don't do that here. <laughs> really? You can't, yeah. you can't do it. You don't have enough data. Um, and using really small quantities of data and trying to analyze it and then use that for projections is just a, a waste of your time and b a, a bad way to use data because it's not going to give you statistical significance and therefore you don't know what's really going to happen when you make those decisions. So a lot of it is, as much as I hate to say this, your gut <laughs> yeah. and just general conversations with people. So there's just a lot, a lot of communication and qualitative data that's coming in, which we're then kind of nitpicking from there, the best things, which is fueled the air, like gut decisions for the brand. And we're still, we're not always right, but sometimes we are. It's gotten us to here. <laughs> oh, it makes sense. And it's going quite well, which is nice. As startup founders, as people that are trying to establish this business, especially from a supply chain perspective, what keeps you up at night? Hoo, hoo, hoo. Um, growth, because from a supply chain perspective, we can oversimplify a lot of things, which make us not have to worry about it at the moment. Like, like the supply chain, the manufacturing was set up to scale. Um, and we have yet to have issues with that. So we're ready to go as needed in terms of manufacturing. Shipping could end up being a bottleneck. The most we've ever been able to like ship successfully in a day is like, 50 or 60 maybe a couple hundred before working like really full days yeah um so but for me shipping gets really easy because then you just hire a logistics company and i've known other founders and seen different companies that could do that in the past granted we've also heard some horror stories with it a lot i've heard very bad things <laughs> about logistics companies um i'd say that like outsourcing your logistics to someone else yeah outsourcing shipping like having someone basically take the inventory from us and do shipping and returns we've from all of the small businesses that i've talked to um no one has worked with a logistics company that they feel comfortable with and they usually end up bringing it in-house so 
Um, <laughs> what is it that that you've heard that makes the people that you know shy away from three PLs or third party logistics providers? It's a combo of what they're charging with what they're offering. So in general, people find it too expensive, but then they also think that the quality of the interactions is not there. And I think that, yeah. well, it's also that we're an e-commerce business. So the only interaction that you physically have with us is our package. And it's important to us that you get it, that it is not super wrinkly, that it's stamped correctly, that it looks like someone paid attention when they packed it. And right now, Tyler and I pack it we have a stamp that has like a line drawing version of our faces on it and it says packaged by and we mm. sign it. Nice. And we also write a note on the inside too. But I also, I wouldn't expect anyone to care about it as much as I do. Like Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about like he's the CEO of the company. Nobody should be working as hard as him because like it's his company. Like it would be wrong of him to expect people to do that it'd be wrong for me to expect a 3pl to like love suspenders as much as i do agree to disagree um <laughs> so what's next for you in the coming year this year is to focus on wholesale with a couple of specific new england more in boston based stores that we think will lend to our brand so we're not necessarily going after anthropology for an order but we're going after something like we millie on Charles Street and Beacon Hill, just these small kind of niche stores that have a customer base that go there to find interesting products. And we're looking at some open markets like SOA um, and kind of getting a taste for people really like trying them on. Even at conferences that we've gone to, people will just try them on. Someone bought the pair that I was wearing at a conference because she just wanted them immediately. Sure. So did you just take them off yourself we're, um, and just sell it to them immediately off of your own body? <laughs> Yeah, I did right that. Right off her yeah, back. Awesome. They were flamingos. <laughs> they were flamingos. <laughs> the flamingos. Yes. Okay. And so where can the listeners for this podcast, where could they find you? If they wanted to not only meet you in person, but find your products, what are the channels that they can buy from? At the moment, you can only buy from betterthanbelts.com. So you'll see us at SOA for a couple of days if you signed up for our email lists going yeah. to SOA. I'd also say like our most active kind of for all of our friends and customers that follow along with the journey is on Instagram at Better Than Belts because that's kind of where a very raw and more uncut version of us talking about things going on and giving updates. Very cool. I have um, maybe one or two last questions for you. Here's one for you that I like to ask yeah. everyone I yeah. meet. You've done a lot in creating this business and it's awesome i applaud you for it um thanks sean <laughs> one thing, yeah one thing i want to ask is if you could go back in time to tell yourself something before you started the business what would you tell yourself <laughs> um, i would tell myself not to order 200 pairs of flamingo suspenders honest, that's not like critical <laughs> I, w I wouldn't even tell myself that i'm happy for them um i need to go look at flamingos after this but yeah go. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think learning how hard it can be to communicate to people was a lot of lessons that i had one thing in the beginning that i kind of that i overlooked a little more so was the importance of customer interviews and how much that did end up shaping the way that i spoke about the brand yeah and tori if, I, if you had a time machine and you could go back to a couple of years ago before flamingos what would you tell yourself <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would probably tell myself not to try and pitch a Kickstarter, that it's very hard to get people to write about a Kickstarter and pitching takes a lot of time and that going to different networking events where you're expecting people to talk about your business, go to them while you're talking, 
listen and look at what people's faces are doing in response to the way that you're telling your story so that you can hone it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There are entrepreneurs that are going to hear your story. Do you have any last words for them? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll say working off that. I was actually, everything is push. Like nobody is going super out of their way to help you. You're kind of pushing your way. Like, it's fine. Just go for it. It's like, it's so easy to just like, like the, the first step isn't starting a company. The first step is like Googling suspender manufacturers and like making that one call. Like it's really easy to take the first step and it's just as easy to take the next step. So it's overwhelming when you look at the big picture. So you really have to break it down to say, this is what I'm doing today. This is what I'm doing tomorrow. Um, but I think that I would say make sure that you have a strong network around you. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a supplier in place and like an entrepreneurship person and a marketer, but it's more like make sure you have people around you that support you, that you can just talk to when you're having a bad day. If you're a solopreneur, I don't know how you do it. I It would be hard without a partner to really talk to all the time, but if you're doing it yourself, you definitely need friends that will just listen to you. And I think from people that you can meet with once every other week to get a coffee is critical. Great. All right. Thank you so much. Well, we've been speaking with Tyler and Tori from Better Than Belts. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having us, Sean. And... Thank you. We hope everyone enjoyed listening to us. I hope. <laughs> I will also say if people have follow-up questions or they don't understand something, like feel free to just email us. All right. And I look forward to checking out your Flamingo suspenders and yeah. <laughs> potentially getting a box with a note inside of it with your signature. That would be. That sounds pretty cool, too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's an experience. People love it. I will say, people end up. <laughs> it's may, maybe the highlight of the of the ordering experience is receiving it for sure. <laughs> <laughs>